This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is coming on! Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42. It's Gavin Casey with you here and joining us to look ahead to a pivotal weekend for at least two of the provinces and a big weekend as well in the Six Nations for Ireland is Murray Kinsler of the 42.ie. Murray, great to see you. How is your Friday going so far? It's going really well. It's a beautiful day outside, a bit of sun on the skin earlier this morning walking the dog. So I'm in a happy place and as we're going to get into, we've... Some good, good, some big, big games ahead of us this weekend. How are you doing, Gav? I'm absolutely flying it for the same reasons. You'd actually forget the extent to which having a bit of sunlight <laughs> makes you happy. Like the weather in Cork for the last six weeks or so has been genuinely disgraceful. Like I've been offended by how bad it is. Think about that <laughs> as an Irish person and how bad it typically is. To be like personally offended by it means it was especially bad. And I literally went for a walk to the shop on my break uh, about an hour ago, I stuck on a bit of Larry June, who's this uh, rapper from California, but he's he's got a new album with The Alchemist, uh, who's a brilliant producer, and it's kind of like summery hip-hop, and I'm like, this is the happiest nice. I've been in about six weeks, genuinely in about six weeks, and it's because, and I checked the weather app on my phone then, it was nine degrees. <laughs> That's how low our standards are now, so can, we can only imagine when it gets uh, heated up. Um, exactly, yeah. And it does make some difference. I know... Munster and maybe Leinster will tell us that it actually can be overbearing when the sun and the heat and the humidity gets too much when you're in South Africa trying to play rugby, but we'll take our nine degrees. Take our nine. Um, let's talk about Leinster to begin with. Their game is comparably inconsequential compared to that of Munsters, that of Connacht's. And we're recording on a Friday as well. Ulster obviously play on Friday evening. We'll dip back into that on Monday. But... With Leinster, the headline news from their team is the fact that Sam Prendergast gets his start. We knew for probably a few weeks he was going to travel, uh, but the idea of him being thrown in at the deep end, insofar as he's still an under-20 player, it'll be his first senior appearance, uh, makes this fixture all the more intriguing and does show as well that Leinster believe in this guy as much as the public that saw him over the last couple of months. It sure does. It underlines how much faith they have in his ability and how they want to push him on quickly because that was the big chat we had is where he's going to get his his minutes in the next few seasons when he's still under 20 and he's getting his start for Leinster at out half in a game down in South Africa. What a class experience for him and he's going to be back in South Africa all going well this summer with the 20s so he gets a taster for, for the conditions. We know that he has all the potential and indeed lots of the current ability uh, to go there and, and make a big impact. He's a phenomenally exciting talent and you're always kind of wary of overstating these things and being cautious and not getting overexcited and understanding that players have lots of challenges ahead of them as he certainly does but he really is one of the most talented under 20 players anywhere in the world I, I don't think that's a, an exagger exaggeration to say he's great kicker of the ball he's got good vision for the backfield and kick space he's a run thread himself he's got lovely feet he's got a burst of acceleration he's quite athletic like his older brother Keane who plays for Connacht um, he's a big got a big frame on him so he's going to be pretty robust I think in terms of the contact uh, eventually as he stacks on a bit more weight probably and, and 
grows into senior professional rugby, which is different, but he's got a really good team around him as well. Even though there is elements of inexperience in terms of himself, Lee Barron starts at hooker, Chris Cosgrave at fullback, even Ben Brownlee at 12 outside him. All of them five caps or fewer, but the team also includes a, an All-Ireland international back row in Rhoda Connors, Deegan. You've got a Springbok second row in Jason Jenkins. And um, even McCarthy at Scrum Half has loads of experience. Uh, um, so yeah, there's lots to like about that Leinster team, but the headline is is clear and obvious. This is the start of what could be the Sam Prendergast era and Johnny Sexton's not going to play again for Leinster. And it feels a bit symbolic that, as we learned that, Sam Prendergast is now already deemed ready to to step up and, and start games for Leinster. And probably won't go perfect. And indeed, none of his 20s games are perfect. He made loads of mistakes in all of them, really. But the times where he got it right was compelling and thrilling and just superb in terms of what he what he can do on a rugby pitch. And do you know what? I say the game is comparably inconsequential, which it is. But it is important to Leinster insofar as their aim is to go unbeaten this season. And it's within their grasp to do so. So it is like a show, not only a show of faith in his ability, but you are putting a little bit on his shoulders insofar as he doesn't want to be the guy to screw the pooch like at, the, at this stage of the season, right? Like you'd want to fumble the bag, as the kids would say. I know there are other inexperienced guys in there as well, but 10, ten obviously being a pivotal position and knowing that the talent that they have at their disposal there, there is a, an element of additional pressure in that, in that like... It's this almost the season of everybody else uh, is on your shoulders to a degree. That's it. There's no real free shots in professional rugby. It's such a ruthless environment, as we'll probably come to when we're discussing Munster. There's there's no um, there is an understanding that players have to grow into it, of course. But there's no excuses ever given. There's no free shot at saying, "Listen, I'm going to make loads of mistakes, kick the ball away here, miss tackles, uh, and potentially leave my team in a in a losing position." But I think Prendergast comes across and certainly from people who've worked with him they would say he is that kind of ruthless character himself and ambitious character and he'll have high expectations for himself in this game and and Leinster should as well I know they're away and I know they're missing all their first choice players and a couple of the second choice players but it's definitely a chance to win down in South Africa they lost both games last year but they had really excellent performances that kind of made the name of some of the younger players and they proved that they belong at that level and you'd imagine there'd be something similar in terms of the motivation this weekend, as well as some of those inexperienced guys just kind of reminding Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster, who's watching on from, from Dublin, that they should be counted on when the, the big games come around the corner in the next few months and weeks. We should flag as well, just before we move on from that game, that the Lions as an organisation are a ramshackle shit show <laughs> at the moment. It's one of the most amazing stories in rugby. We don't even have time to delve into it properly. It might be one for a Wednesday pod even down the line, but like the the infighting legal threats uh, within the organisation, it's absolutely crazy. So um, if their players can produce anything resembling a, a spirited, unified sort of a performance, uh, they'll be doing well. You mentioned the, the cutthroat nature of this game that we're discussing. And uh, look, Joey Carberry missing out on Monsters 23 for what is now their most important game of the season is an adir for him. Let's not shy away from that. Like this is a, a low point in his career and it's difficult not to feel sympathy for him on a human level. But at the same time, well, there's no, there's no caveat to that necessarily, but it's just an understandable decision from the coach's, coach's point of view. 
It is in is some it? ways in terms of in terms <laughs> I of I saw your brow for their instant current form. I, like, yeah. I suppose the only counter to that is that Ben Healy's leaving at the end of this season. He's going to Scotland. He's no longer gonna have a, a future with Munster beyond the end of this season. And I don't think you should just punish someone for that, but Carberry is gonna be there. He's got another well, he's twenty twenty four on his contract, so he's gonna be around and I suppose you're trying to manage that. But to come back to your point, I, I do tend to agree with it overall um, in terms of form, in terms of them trying to get as much as they can out of these last two must-win games. And even if they don't beat the Stormers, there's potentially something on the line with a losing bonus point or a try-scoring bonus point, maybe even both those things because Munster's attack has been good. And obviously trying to go and, and win the game. I think Crowley deserves to start at 10. And Healy, we, we know he's an excellent out-half. He's been playing really well this season. He played for Scotland in the Six Nations. And he has never done anything less than give total commitment and total performance in his training and his application behind the scenes. He's apparently been brilliant. There's no sense of him thinking, oh, I'm, I'm heading away here. This is this is all done. So in that sense, he deserves a, a chance as well. It definitely is a, a massive low point. And there's been a string of them now for, for Carberry. Just checked again with Munster there whether there is any injury, just to be sure. But that wasn't the case during the week. And, and we haven't heard anything otherwise Um before recording here just after 12 and, and, and them naming the team so yeah it's exactly that it's a, it's another blow to him and you can only imagine what he's going through on a personal level the frustration he's over there in South Africa and he'll do his best to obviously keep positive and keep prepping everyone and and being around the team on match day and providing whatever he can but um, it's it's tough it's tough on an individual level and, and bouncing back from this is going to be even harder again uh, so yeah I, I do feel that human sympathy for him but we said it's ruthless and this is the nature of it and to be fair to Roundtree he hasn't shied away from having that ruthless edge Dave Kilcoyne's not in the match day 23 either and again we hadn't heard of any injury to him and as we discussed earlier this season even around those Champions Cup games with Conor Murray with Keith Earls when he was available there was no hesitancy in making big calls and that's probably a that's probably a, a I suppose a big trait to to have um as a as a head coach um, and as we speak actually I just got a message just got a message saying Dave Cohen wasn't available this week so um seems he did pick up an injury having traveled to to South Africa so yeah I, I like it's hard, very hard to to argue with the decisions they've they've made around their halves they've both been good this season and Carberry's form has probably just continued to decline and that stuff we're talking about around the human element of it it's probably been apparent and you know no body language Esther, but he doesn't look like he's enjoying his rugby and um, enjoying what he's going through in his career in terms of falling out with Ireland as well falling out of that squad altogether so very tough time for him um, but they back Crowley and, and Healy now yeah, he looks like a guy who just needs the beach. Like, get him to the summer and give him a little bit more time to think. Um, it's unlikely that he'll be involved in Ireland's World Cup warm-ups, although you don't know. Um, like, he could be drafted in as a, as a, a sort of a fourth option in training or whatever. But, like, maybe he just needs a, a mental break as much as anything more and just collect his thoughts a little bit and rediscover a, a, a tiny... Maybe he's missing just a fraction of the hunger he had for it at one point and... You never know. That could be turned around in a few days if you just have the time to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know what the answer for him is. And I'd say he's searching around for it. And I'd say there's no lack of effort and maybe he's even over trying in some instances. Um, 
be interesting to, to chat to him. And obviously, people are never fully open on their on the record, but it'll be telling to get a, an insight into his mind. And it'll also be interesting to see how Roundtree and and the rest of the coaches are are dealing with it because they obviously, I would imagine, they speak to every player who's dropped out of squad starting teams and squads. Um, but the, it is a bit of a different case in that he's come from such relative highs to to most players to now this case where he's one of the top earners in Munster where he's supposed to be their kind of marquee player their their quarterback their leader but he's not even in the 23 for what is a a must-win game it's it's a really delicate situation that they'll have to handle but that Carberry himself will have to show again a bit of resilience and a bit of mental strength to, to come back from. Yeah, it is a, a must-result game anyway. And do you think that that Munster team, uh, as in their match day 23, is equipped to get some sort of result in Cape Town against the Stormers? Or might this one be a bridge too far? I think they can score tries. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get a bonus point because their attack has been good and they have loads of weapons there. But the Stormers are really good. <laughs> Goes without saying, they're, they're defending champs. They've made four changes and they've gone with a 6-2 bench that includes Evan Roos back from injury and we know all about his explosive power. So I'd fancy the Stormers to win. I do think Munster can get something from it though. Mm, Evan Roos, oh delight. Uh, let's chat about Connacht then, Cardiff then. Before we do that, just to remind you that the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors. Whether it's luxury cars, seven seaters for a growing family or making the switch to electric, find everything you need at dundeal.ie. Uh, the big news for Connacht is that they have six players back from injury, Murray. Those include Finley Bealham and Jack Carty at out half. And they do actually suddenly look like a better team on paper now for what is for them an absolutely pivotal game at home to Cardiff. It's huge to have Jack Carty, their game manager extraordinaire, and their skipper back from, from injury at the same time as Finley Bealham returns. And his form for Connacht, even before he had that massive step up for Ireland, was really excellent. He's probably their most important player in terms of the set-piece go-forward he offers them, the quality around the pitch that we saw for Ireland as well. He's just excellent in all aspects of the, of the game and they're two particularly big boosts, but I really like the look of that, that whole team. There's a nice element of the younger players who've impressed this season, the likes of Kilgallen, Tierney Martin, obviously, and, and Niall Murray, who's been maybe their player of the season in the second row, they're in there with, with the returning likes of Cardi and, and Bielham and Hansen and I know he's been back a while, but all those guys, Bundy Aki, sorry, who's was obviously out of the Connacht team for for quite a bit. Um so it's a nice kind of combi- combination of 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 youth and experience and, and the bench is something very similar. I'm excited to see Shane Jennings get another go and own the Butler who's only got one cap to his name uh offering the the backup hooker uh, strength so it is, a, it is a nice strong Connacht team and there's so much on offer this weekend because even if Connacht again don't win both their their last two games a big win in this one could be enough you know it's it remains to be seen there's so many permutations it's impossible to get your head around absolutely everything but they should have enough strength there against a Cardiff team who like the Lions actually we should say are still in the hunt you know that that middle portion of the table is really congested and uh, things could change quite drastically in terms of who's in what spot by the end, end of it but Connacht have their destiny in their hands and that's exactly where you want to be they did well to create this situation and now they will be very hopeful and I think quite confident of 
of keeping the destiny in their own hands into the final weekend. Yeah, and that final weekend on paper, to my mind, has always been a defeat to Glasgow Warriors. But the way the table shakes out or could shake out, if Glasgow's position is cemented, like they could rest up for that game as well. And a swashbuckling Connacht team could easily go there and, and do something. You know, it's it's so... I mean, look, we've said it a thousand times over the last couple of weeks, but it's just so exciting not only to have all of these permutations, but just to have so much on the line in these final two weekends. Um would you be okay? So, if you were a Connacht fan, would you be optimistic that you could even overtake Munster? Looking at these two weekends on paper as they are for the moment, I really don't know. I struggle with these permutations in my head. To be honest, sorry, my it's brain a doesn't work like question. that. But no, no, but absolutely, it could end up that way. And the Glasgow thing is is interesting as well because they obviously have the the Challenge Cup to come as well, and that could actually come into play in terms of who wins that competition. So even though there's only two weeks, two weekends left, you think, oh, it should be pretty clear. It's really not at all. And even though certain sides have secured their home advantage, obviously, in the quarterfinals, in Ulster and Stormers, that can change. Munster, if things go really well, can finish in the top four as well. That's an outside possibility, but it can happen. So I really struggle to remember it being this open with two rounds of any league to, to go and... As we've said a few times, this is just brilliant because it, it makes it all so compelling. And other stages of other Pro 14, Pro 12 seasons, it, it just wasn't really. So, um, yeah, that's that's great to see. And it'll be interesting to see a couple of guys bidding farewell to, to the sports ground because this will be a last home game for Andy Friend, of course, whose era is over and the Pete Wilk- Wilkins era is, is nearly upon us. We knew that Marmion and Delahunt and Alex Wooten were finishing up at the end of the season, but Connacht also confirmed that Adam Byrne, Leva Fafita, Conor Fitzgerald, Sean Masterson and Kieran Booth are, are heading away um, at the end of this season as well. And I think probably Adam Byrne has attracted the most attention of that lot. Capped by Ireland, obviously, quite a few years ago now. We know all about his athleticism and he had some massive gains for Leinster over the years as well, but it just never got going in, in Connacht. Had a couple of injuries that slowed him up and then by the time he got back others were playing well on the wing and he wasn't picked so it's been a such a frustrating career for him after many highs uh, earlier on and I think Conor Fitzgerald is probably the other one who's attracted a bit of attention because he had Jack Cardi out of the team at one stage in Connacht which was fully deserved based on his form and I think he has something to offer as play 10 and 15 and has a good kicking game and even you look at Munster with their depth of 10 uh, with Healy departing and maybe he could return there and fit in there so yeah, I suppose it'll be nice for them to although most of them aren't playing to get a chance to bid farewell after many years of great service yeah they're going to do the traditional thing aren't they of of giving them the opportunity to wave their goodbyes and, and be um, yeah shrouded in adulation from the stands I think they're going to bring them onto the pitch uh, for, for what it is yeah the, the final home game of the season Um the Ireland women's team are away from home in Italy this weekend, Murray, and it's been a week, again, dominated by discourse surrounding, I guess, more peripheral workings in, in Irish rugby rather than what will happen on the field uh, this particular weekend for this team. You were on Greg McWilliams' call yesterday. I gathered there was about a half an hour of these sorts of questions about like, well, basically questions stemming from Fee Thomas's uh, article in The Telegraph, brilliantly written piece, 
probably exposing uh, some of the institutional problem problems with the IRFU, particularly its attitude, traditional or otherwise, towards women's rugby to a, a wider audience in the UK that might not otherwise have been up to scratch on this story. So what was that like yesterday? Because I gather, well, I would presume that's a difficult thing for Greg McWilliams to navigate. It was. It was an extended press conference and often those aren't. And firstly, I'll say I'm fully aware of the hypocritical nature of many of us Irish media because those calls and those press conferences had two, three, four people at them for most of the Six Nations and yesterday it was a full house like nearly every publication was on there I'm a hypocrite I haven't been on any of those calls I've been covering other stuff over the last few weeks but you know this is obviously a a big story and that's the frustrating thing for Ireland themselves is that these kind of bad news stories keep coming up it feels very familiar when they're trying to kind of move on and lots of things have moved on which we might come back to and and strides have been made in terms of dealing with the the questions Greg McWilliams was you know he answered everything pretty straightforward I thought and honestly enough you know he he said that the RFU is not a sexist organization what else are you going to say like there is employer um and he kind of addressed each of the main issues from the the Telegraph article um I suppose to kind of work through them the the protein supplements issue he said he just said yeah we need to be better at that we need to make sure that we're on top of that kind of thing around the letting players know they're they've been dropped he said there's a very robust process where every single player who's not in a matchday squad or drops from a team to a bench or from a bench out of the matchday squad they get spoken to before that's announced to, to the rest of the team um the the decision to change the shorts from white to, to navy again he said they need to be better at making sure that all parties in, in the squad are, are part of that discussion. I suppose that is a con- kind of confusing one because even the statement from the RFU at the time has a quote from, I think it was Enya Breen, you know, saying this for us is a big step. So clearly some of the players knew or were involved in it. Some of them in the photos, obviously, and others maybe weren't. So again, that needs to be streamlined. Um, the the issue around someone what was the what was the word a prominent figure in Irish rugby said who gives a fuck about women's rugby during a speech by the RFU president um he said he's not concerned by that because he thinks that you know there's progress been made and that the RFU have shown that that's not their attitude by the investment they've made and the number of people they've hired and the the positive work that's been going on in in the pipeline even further down um and again, on that one, it's kind of unclear who said it. A prominent figure in Irish rugby, the way I read it, may not actually be someone in the RFU. It may just be someone who was at that that speech. So I think he was trying to allude to, to that. So, I mean, he addressed all of it. The contracts thing, even he said, with players who are based in England, some of them have partners and they've bought houses over there and it's not going to suit everyone. You know, this is, I suppose, the start also of the contracting process for the RFU. You would imagine it'll change and morph as, as time goes on. And I think it's... I think it's positive that there are contracts now now there and this is the first year and it'll take time for that to, to kick in. So on the whole, I think he did as much as he could to answer things. And I know some people won't be happy with everything he said or all the wording and, and all the messaging that he had, but that's kind of the nature of his job. He knows that there's going to be criticism all the time and and it was interesting to hear him kind of talk about trying to get out of that negative momentum and not letting it spiral. And he said it it is really tough because... You, you might take a step forward and then something like this breaks again and, and you've got to address it. So um, that's kind of the 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 tone of, of yesterday and now they've got this massive match again against Italy and 
they really need a, a good news story on the pitch because they just haven't had them in recent times and um, their record obviously hasn't been great. So that certainly doesn't help when you've got reports like this as well around some of the stuff that's happened in the in the behind the scenes off the pitch. Yeah, I think the one answer that probably got people's backs up, some people's backs up, was the one as to whether or not the IRFU is sexist and you said it yourself like what else is he supposed to say i've seen people say like he should have just said yeah yeah like yes it is i think those people need to get real like and understand this is a guy with a job who has kids and a family to support and in any walk of life if you come out and say that whether it's true or not about the people who employ you like you'll be out the gap and suddenly you can't provide for that family like you know some of the same people who were kind of angry with his response to that would be the first people to rightly point out that say somebody like Liam Maloney was apparently um, ostracized for saying those things as well you know what I mean so what do they expect is going to happen if the coach says it um, so I think you got to be fair to the guy as well <laughs> it's landmine hopscotch talking about that for a half an hour from his perspective because mm. he's trying to bring about a lot of the cultural change that should exist already but he's also having to not go to bat for there are a few necessarily but just not <laughs> fling them under the bus that many people would argue they deserve to be under you know it's i don't know rock and hard play mm. stuff for for mac williams yeah and from it like from his point of view in fairness since he got the job the actions that the rfu have taken have all pretty much been positive around giving him a full-time staff, including John McKee, who was the Fiji men's head coach very recently. Like, that's a big role to come come across from. And Neve Briggs is there, a legend of Irish rugby, Dennis Fogarty, and a few others who've been helping around the scrum. There's been permanent employees off the pitch as well. They've sorted the nutrition issue with a nutritionist full-time and, and several others and stuff around the pathway. And in terms of the, the finances going into the game, that has been quite notably increased as well. So that's the kind of stuff he's... He's pointing to and that is fair we know and like we've discussed this what two years ago now probably the the point that irish women's rugby was coming from and how what they're still going through now is a result of that and some of the neglect and i mean i can remember that that letter from 62 current and former irish women's rugby players i can remember reading it for the first time thinking wow this is incredibly powerful and this is the result of what has been mismanaged and what has maybe been sexism in, from some quarters at times but I do think there's been a positive shift off the pitch and you probably don't get that sense from from some areas and that's the issue now around Irish women's rugby's it's these are the stories that continue to be reported and that's brilliant but it's such a kind of negative atmosphere that it's almost unattractive in terms of drawing new fans in, you know. It's tricky when there's so much negativity around it and they're trying to build, obviously, a new squad with lots of inexperience in the squad and it must be tough to ignore it all as well. So it's just such a tricky, tricky um, landscape at the moment. And even for him yesterday trying to answer all the questions, you have to be so careful what you say because you might have good intentions on something you say, but it'll be perceived the wrong way or you might use the wrong language and... And that can rile people up all over again. And, and much of it, I would say, probably fair. And everyone's still learning all the time um, around how best to, to do this. So it's um, it's a tricky one. And there's clearly, as he said himself, still progress to be made. They still have lots to learn. And 
hopefully that can continue to move in the right direction and that the on-field pain that this inexperienced squad are dealing with at the moment does result in um, positive results in the longer term. Will that pain go on against Italy? They got hockeyed by England last time out. They only lost to France in their opener by 10 points. But uh, I don't really subscribe to triangle theory, like just because Ireland wound up getting hammered by France and Italy didn't. I don't think there's a direct correlation there often between the the result then between Italy and Ireland. You know what I mean? It's just a different day, different 80 minutes, whatever. Um, Like what sort of a... Yeah, what sort of a game are you expecting or how likely is it that Ireland can do something in this game? I I don't have massive optimism, I have to say, based on on their form. And I think Italy have been pretty solid. A couple of, three changes to the team probably add that bit of kind of solidity in terms of Lauren Delaney at fullback. And she's really excellent around the the basics of fullback play. Elsa Hughes obviously has a bit of experience at scrum half and that position that they've mixed and matched there really uh, Anna McGann is a, an exciting selection I think in midfield her first test start and people probably remember playing back row and playing in the forwards but she's obviously got sevens experience and is really athletic so it'll be exciting to see what she can offer up against what is a good it- it- Italian kind of centre combination so I think of course Italy go in as, as favourites um, but there's more in this Ireland team like they're inexperienced and they're They've struggled in certain elements of the game, but there is real potential there. Like some of these young players, as we've been discussing, have massive ability and uh, further potential. So McWilliams will be hoping a lot more that clicks and get a good start and be in a good position and and disrupt the Italians. So um, it'll be hope more than expectancy, I think, from from an Irish point of view. Even a good performance, uh, if, if we could get three, four tries and keep it at one score, two scores, something like that. that it, compared to the first two games, like you can take something from that into Scotland, you know. Like it only takes a little a little spark here or there just to change the complexion of things. And um, that's, within their, that's within their capability, absolutely, I think. Like if, if you think of the first Japan test, for example, I know it's not like it is apples and oranges, but we've seen them string together some really nice... 80 minute performances nearly as well so here's hoping um it's gonna be another massive weekend you're gonna be a busy man uh i hope you enjoy it if you can i'm sure you will i will i'm in the sports ground so i'm gonna go and pack my boots i forgot to bring them last time obviously still when you're on the pitch chair you have to wear your boots even if you're on well, they still have duties. that rule yeah they do so i'm gonna go and get set up this evening but really looking forward to being down there for a massive game and i'll be tuned in with real interest from for, for the other games it's going to be fascinating to see by the end of the day and kind of kicking off at 7.35 just how much has, has shifted beneath what are you rocking these days World Cups I still have my World Cups I still have my World Cups yeah because I don't play I'm not going to buy new boots anyway. <laughs> I know yeah yeah also like those will never go out of fashion they're that's the thing they're just ever presently cool aren't they yeah Murray thanks Milk. great to see you thanks Gav um, yeah we'll chat to you soon go well over the weekend and thanks to everybody at home as well for tuning in as always uh, we will be back on Monday for the 42 subscribers get on that it'll be Murray Birch and myself uh, until then mind yourselves take it easy this episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors Ireland's largest car website find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships 
Simon's got names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, rips out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit. Mind, body and spirit. You better hear it and fear it. Oh, that's the spirit. Saying, sister, sister, how I miss you, miss you. Let's go wrist to wrist and take your skin off of a whisper. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better line. You're always talking about the boys in the better line. <laughs>